I have to go inside. Okay. It's nice out here. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> and my daughter's moving out, so there are boxes all over in the house. Oh. Oh, I know what. I'll sit out here. I think this is better. Can you see me okay here in the shade? Are you in the yeah. shade? Yeah, that's better. So thanks for, thanks for doing this. Yeah. I, um, I, I, you know, um, well, we missed you on the last talk. And so I thought it'd be kind of cool yeah. to talk to you. Um, you probably can't see my face very well. It's okay. You know, because this is more of a, um, this is a podcast, so. Oh yeah, it's audio. It's audio, yeah. 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 Okay. So it's being recorded right now. Let me see. Let me make sure it's all. Yeah, it's recording, and uh, yeah, and then I'll just take this audio and I'll put it into a podcast format, and then you know it goes on the Skatopia website and um, you know like iTunes and different places uh -huh. where they have podcasts. Cool. So I'm just interested in you know the history of skateboarding. And yeah. um, I, I was somebody who, I was a skateboarder. You know, I worked at a skate park called Skatopia. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of hung it up for many years. I started skating around the year 2000 again. And, um, you know, I skated for a while. Just, you know, not, I was never any good, but I just skated. And I began to take pictures. I kind of I had that as a background. And, and I um, began to photograph my friends. Then eventually I photographed... Uh, some female skaters who turned out to be, you know, real um, popular, you know, today. And so, mm -hmm. um, and so that's why I wanted to talk to you because, you know, you, you were a pioneer in that, in that respect, you know, that you skated at a time when, uh, and from what I understand, you guys did very well too, uh, career wise, um, you know, and, and so being a woman and skateboarding in the 1970s, I mean, what was that like? You mean career-wise in terms of professional skateboarding? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was a kid. Um, it was it was pretty mind-blowing. I, I was a really shy, really quiet kid, and my sister took me to Black Hill to skateboard, and I had a gymnastics background and I just kind of took to the skating and um, got on the Bane team because all the people that were skating at Black Hill, I got to know them. And, um, and then I started competing and winning and, um, and it, yeah, it kind of threw me into a whole, whole new world <laughs> for this shy girl. <laughs> yeah. I imagine. Um, how was it, what was it, how was it, you know, what was the dynamics of that? You being shy, so what was the dynamics of, was the skateboarding world this kind of a place where you, where it was difficult to be shy or the fame or both? Of well, them? it kind of helped me bring, helped bring me out of my shell. I mean, one example is the first rock concert I ever went to was a Jethro Tull concert with um, 60,000 people and I was, was performing at it. So I had wow. never seen 
many people in my whole life, like in one place, and I was in front of them. <laughs> and yeah, it was it was really terrifying, but it was very empowering to to do to have done that. And then it, it made it easier for me to be in the world. <laughs> You know, with traveling, we did a traveling skateboard show um, that my um, brother, well, future brother-in-law, my sister ended up marrying him, but Patrick Mulcahy produced a skateboarding road show and we went around all over the country, so. Right. Did you ever get used to that? I mean, I used to play a lot of drums. Um, I played on like a TV show one time and did you ever get used to, you know, like, stage fright. I mean, how, what was it? How did you get past that? I got used to, I got used to, um, performing in front of people, but it was still hard when I had to talk. Like one time when I was in England, I had to, um, well, I, I went on a children's show and it was kind of like a, an interview type show, but I just kept answering all the questions like with one word answers. <laughs> and I could tell afterwards that the woman who was interviewing me, she, had been all cheery during the show, but afterwards I could tell she was mad. And then I realized, oh, I probably should have talked more. (laughs) I can totally totally relate to that. Yeah. (laughs) And radio shows and stuff. When we're on our traveling show, they'd always have Robin Logan go out and, you know, do the PR stuff, you know, because I didn't want to do the radio and all that. So she was really good at that. So was it difficult to do what we're doing today, this podcast for you? Um, it really took me, it's taken me a long time, but I'm not shy like that anymore. But it's been mostly through my profession as a biologist and having to um, present in front of people verbally that uh-huh. able to talk to is people. There, is there a, what type of a, a biologist are you? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm a, I'm a conservation, I'm a wildlife biologist, and now I mostly do conservation. I work on long-term uh, habitat conservation plans for endangered species. Okay. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Um, yeah. So how did so so what did how did you first you know do you remember first stepping on a skateboard? You know when was that and where was it? Yeah. Well, you know, I grew up on a long dirt road, so I wasn't one who skated when I was a little girl. I didn't get on a skateboard till I was 15. Okay. Sister took me to Black Hill, so that was the first That's the time place. I so I don't know that place. What is Black Hill? Black Hill, you, you've heard of La Costa, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Black Hill was the main hill in La Costa where mm-hmm. everybody, um, you know, all the Logans and Taipage and... Um, Gosh, everybody. I mean, Laura Thornhill. Um, I met most of the pro skaters there and then later at class, but yeah. And you guys would slalom or downhill or all of it? Black Hill was mostly, yeah. I mean, I started out just cruising the hills and then some slalom, but we were just having fun most of the time and then Dietson came and started up the whole all the slalom racing so right and you yeah. did and so since you lived somewhere where you had no no concrete you you got on a skateboard at 15 and did, had you had any experience with 
roller skates or anything else with wheels previous to that? Oh, yeah, we used to go to the roller rink on Saturdays when I was little. So I had that experience. And then my gymnastics at school. So right. that transferred over because a lot of my freestyle tricks were gymnastics. Um, do, you, do you remember Janet? Was it Janet Payne? It was, it was either Janet Payne or Kim Cespasis. Do you remember any of those skaters? I remember Kim, yeah. Yeah, we skated together a lot. Okay, so one of one of them told me that you were like one of the, like like this one of the greatest freestyle skaters that ever was. <laughs> well, that was kind. I mean, I I won um, world championships, so I guess at some level, <laughs> I was the best woman for a couple of years there. I guess. Mm-hmm. When you I look back know. at that, do you do you what do you think of it? What do you think of that? time and what you know what you did I think I'm really grateful I feel like I was really lucky to be at the right place and the right time for that um you know when skateboarding was really taking off with the urethane wheels and um and just you know I didn't have really that extraordinary abilities. It was just that I had my gymnastics and I was around the people where everything was happening. And so I got to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's great now because I'm still in touch with all those folks. I mean, through Facebook, I lost, I lost contact with everybody for a while. And I guess there was even a rumor that I had died. Really? <laughs> but Yeah. Yeah. But then um, Ellen O'Neill actually was the one who reached out to me and, and I got um, onto Facebook through her and then connected with all the skaters. And then we had a big reunion down in La Costa and when started was going that? to fame events and everything. So. When did you have the La Costa reunion? What year was that? Uh, that was like, oh gosh, I think the first one was like 2012. I'd have to look. Not that, not that, that long ago then, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I was out of contact with everybody for a couple decades at least. So. You, you, because there wasn't a thing like Facebook, and um, and that was a thing you just did, and now you're doing a different thing that you obviously loved more, which is science, the pursuit of that, or is that why yeah, you? Didn't- I went off and pursued my career. I mean, pretty much when I. Um, I always wanted to be a biologist, a wildlife biologist. And so skateboarding was kind of a sidetrack for me, a lucky and fun sidetrack. But then when I went to college, I stopped skating professionally. Um, Still did some skating at, you know, skate parks and freestyle and parking lots and stuff. But I stopped competing then. And then gradually just got more into my career and, kind of lost touch with everybody over the years, but it was great to get back in touch. (laughs) What was it like to um, adapt, you know, this one art form that you had, this discipline of gymnastics, which has nothing to do with skateboarding, you know, and then you have to somehow put that on wheels. I mean, how does one, how did you approach that? Yeah, well, I mean, there were people doing handstands, Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then Bob Moore was on the Bain team when I got on the Bain team and he was doing handstands where he was pushing up from the board. A lot of people were just like running alongside the board and kicking up. Right. He taught me it's a lot more fluid when you go up off the board and back onto the board. And he was doing a lot of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So I learned from him and then I just improvised more and, you know, did some of my own tricks from there. And, um, my brother's an artist and he was taking me to, um, the library at UC San Diego, um, when he was studying his art and I would look at choreography books by Martha Graham and stuff like that, because, you know, we do a two minute routine to music. So, I would kind of, you know, it was kind of fun putting these uh, routines together with the choreography and gymnastics. And you did that yourself? Nobody assisted you or guided you in that regard? Um, With that specifically, I mean, um, my brother is what got me into choreography, but um, the Bain team was really tight. We would get together every Saturday and practice. We would do freestyle in the Bain, Bain factory parking lot. Mm-hmm. All morning. And then we'd go out to La Costa and practice. Um, I think it was Sundays, not Saturday, but mm-hmm. practice um, slalom in the afternoon. So there was a lot of um, coaching. We actually had Paul St. Pierre was, our coach, he didn't like to call himself a coach. He liked to call himself a teacher, but uh, he was kind of the guru who, um, you know, really critiqued our skating and Hmm. helped out a lot. And he would get into the details of your routine or was that something, was he versed in that kind of thing? That sort of a, a freestyle routine? Yeah. 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 He, um, well, he would have us do, each of us do our routine in front of everybody. And then everybody would, would give each other like tips and stuff and then teach each other tricks afterwards. And he even had a ballet teacher come in one and give us lessons. So. That would be, they, yeah, that would definitely affect it, wouldn't it? That would definitely affect the outcome to have all those. Issues. Yeah. And it was mostly the guys on the team. So they all did. So it's more of a peer, like a peer kind of a. Oh, oh! You're saying that mostly the guys on the team took the ballet stuff, or? Yeah, yeah. The mm-hmm. whole the whole team did the ballet lessons. And so, where you know, like, um, where where was if you can remember, like, where was a, a first place that you did a routine and and it fared well as far as event or, you know, contest or show. My first contest ever was at the at Belmont Park in San Diego. It was an amateur contest. And uh, I ended up getting second to Desiree Von Essen, who was oh, wow. the, she was a running champion at that time. And then my second contest was in Arizona, and I got first place And um, in freestyle. I usually didn't do that well in slalom, but mm-hmm. I placed a few. But um, freestyle, I mostly won after that, except um, at Cow Palace, I think I got third place or something. But okay, part I, I was winning all the contests during that short period of time. That That's I what I was going to ask. How long of a time? A years. It was like two years. It was only a couple of years. I started skating when I was 
15. Um, and then I started competing when I was 16. And then I stopped competing when I went to college when I was 18. So it was a very short, <laughs> short but intense period of time. <laughs> a lot going on, right? I mean, a lot for a person to experience. Yeah, yeah. It was also great seeing, I mean, just, yeah, being around, like you mentioned Kim, she she was so um, radical in the way she skated and fun to watch and just all these other, you know, great pros all around me. It's fun to be like in the place where it's all happening. Yeah. And that's something I wonder about, you know, I mean, did you know that you were in this time in history where a lot of the stuff had not either was just invented or you guys were inventing it. Did you know that? Or was it just this thing that you did? No, I, I believe I had a real good feel for that. I mean, I mean, we could see it spreading. We could see it growing with the urethane wheels and then going to Europe and, all these kids just like surrounding you, getting your autograph, you know, and it's just like this group of kids from Southern California, you know? Yeah. So no, there was, there was a feel that we were part of something big that was happening. It was unique, right? I mean, not, there was no, if you were somebody famous for tennis or racquetball or something like that, I mean, these are other, these sports had been around, you know, I mean, this was like, Mm -hmm this thing that was because of urethane wheels. I'm not sure what year that was, but it wasn't many years before. It was like when, 74, 75, maybe 75. Yeah. It was just right when I was starting. So yeah. Right. And uh, yeah. you got to go on there and you were good enough to, to, to travel and to work in that field. I mean, it, that's really unique. Yeah. And, you know, it was a lot different than tennis or even skating right now or anything that has even, you know, a lot more money involved and even has the Olympics involved. There's not that kind of, um, what do you call it? Kind of, um, you know, corporate pressure with the giant sponsors and all that, you know, it seems like it was a little freer back then. <laughs> Was it? I mean, how was that for, you're very young. I mean, and you had to yeah. do shows. You had to do the show, obviously, if you're on some traveling skateboard show. Yeah, and I, I don't know for sure, but I just see things, you know, I see things like what happened with gymnastics, with um, uh, the abuse towards the, the young women and just pushing them so hard. And I, I get concerned sometimes that, there may be a few up and coming kids in uh, skating today that might be. Might experience you know, that. I, you know, I'm not sure, but I just feel like there's, there's um, more room for abuse when there's a ton of money involved and kids that can make a lot of money. I mean, that's certainly an old story, right? I mean, in. Yeah. Act, yeah. Yeah. As you and said, you know, even for me, I felt there were times when, like in England, when um, I had to skate, they wouldn't let me skate with long pants on, even though it was really cold. I had to wear shorts, you know. Uh, just there, there's always going to be something like that, I guess. You felt, w- w- why do they do that? Was it an image thing or why, why do they care about that? 
Well, I was upside down with my legs in the air. Oh, so they wanted to look at your legs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I, I didn't get the uh, feeling that that's why Kim said that you're a great skater, you know, the way you looked. I thought that it was because you could skate. I would hope so. I would hope that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> why do you really think about that? Do you actually think about it's just because I was I looked a certain way that I was a freestyle skater? I thought that you guys had to, I mean I, I couldn't do those things. Um when I went to England, I got interviewed by a feminist magazine. Um and I was all excited about you know feminism and then the but the woman she started saying things like getting down on me because I was wearing short short shorts and things like that so it was the first time I was like oh my god you know and then I realized that they were making me wear short shorts and I was cold and everything so I don't know that's neither here nor there I mean yeah, I, I used to be in the marching band, you know, in 1978, and yeah. I, remember, uh, I was a drummer, and I remember all the drill team girls wore things like that. Right, 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 right. I right. thought that it was just the style. I mean, didn't people? Yeah, yeah. Right, people in the streets wore that length of a garment, didn't they? Or am I incorrect? Oh yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't anything different than what we were wearing in Southern California all the time. Maybe that particular woman just. She wasn't from California, but she she was treating me like like you know like I was being exploited or something. Right, so. right. And then that and that was it for you. You did this, and you um, you just were done. So you're you're 18, and you're going to college. And was it ending as well, or why did you hang it up? Um, no, I still skated, but. I just did it for fun. I didn't um, go to any more competitions because um, I didn't wasn't able to put in the amount of time to practice to compete. I guess you know maybe I'm overly competitive, but I really don't want to compete unless I you can totally do- nail it. Yeah, so I I wasn't able. I was I wasn't putting more focus on the, yeah. Who came in there after you left, or do you even know who came in there? And- and sort of took advantage of your absence. <laughs> well, I know that Ellen O'Neill won the championship that year that I left. Um, the world championship, the freeformer one that we had every year. Um, and then, you know, a couple of years after that, skateboarding pretty much died, you know. I mean, remember there was a down period. Yeah. In the, eight, in the early 80s, I guess, when all the parks were closing and everything. The liability issues and... Yeah. Did did it change? You know, did the sport did freestyle change? Because you know what, by the time I was around, freestyle was you know Rodney Mullins doing these impossible, you know, amounts of kickflips and twirls and stuff. I yeah yeah put my head in a knot. You know, um, when you yeah. were in it, you know, did it change from the moment you began it to the to when around when you're 18 when it quit? Did it evolve or did it pretty much stay the same? Your, your version of that, you know, freestyle? Um, it evolved, but it didn't transform hugely until, you know, there was that, I guess it was mid-80s. 
was it when they were doing all the spinning on the rails and everything? Yeah, that was a that was a big change. I was working at um yeah, I did go and work at um the skate ranch in um Del Mar. Oh, how long did you work there? Just for a couple of years. It was between getting my bachelor after I got my bachelor's and before I went back to grad school. I worked there for a while and Tony Hawk was a little guy and yes. I was at judging contests that that he was in and um yeah and a lot of people in the freestyle were were on their rails a lot and just very different kind of skating more technical yeah and and less dance you know more more what would you call it athletic or i don't know how to describe it i wouldn't call it more athletic i i mean it was before as far as I can remember, it was before Ollie's and before things like Rodney Mullen, really wild stuff. Right. Um, it was kind of, I didn't think it was very aesthetic, uh, aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> it was just, I just thought it was a little strange. People spinning on the wheel, on the top of the wheels is on the side of the board, stuff like that. It wasn't to my taste, but then later it really took off. And I guess they call it street skating now instead of freestyle. But right. And, and what year was it that you worked at the ranch? Um, 82, 83. Right. So did you know uh, mm-hmm. Grant Britton and Bill Billing? Yeah. And, okay. I, I worked for Grant. Um, did you say Bill Billing? He was. Bill Bill- he, uh-huh had left i guess before the, before i got there he okay. yeah <laughs> i was he just might have saw him skating there if he wasn't kicked he out he still skated there yeah yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah that was kind of the end of that era wasn't it or was but no i guess the pipeline park lasted longer i i don't know my history very well yeah no. i don't know then i went back to grad school and um and yeah that's when i really lost touch <laughs> Right. And after, after 84, I had a kid and went back to, went to grad school. I was working and going to grad school and raising a kid and all that stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. Did, um, you know, so some, I would, I would be curious about, you know, to your recollection, what was it like to develop a freestyle routine? I mean, who, who picked out the song? What, what, you know, maybe you could go through one of the times you've done that from when you picked, or did you pick the song off first or did you, have tricks already? How did you, how did that how did you do that? Um, gosh, it was a pretty it, reiterative process. Um, you gotta tell me what that means. I don't know what reiterative. Yeah, it, 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 little little bit of time, like like learning learning tricks and maybe trying out different songs and okay. um, picking up more tricks at the um, mostly at band practice on weekends, either creating new tricks or learning from others. And yeah, just um, finding, I I used um, for the first world championship, I used um, little Martha by the Allman brothers. I tried to pick something that was two minutes because the routines were two minutes. Okay. have the whole song and not have to cut it off mm-hmm. and then it's great having the music because yeah I would oftentimes in school when I was sitting at my desk I'd be 
I'd be thinking up what move would go best with what part of the, so I'd be going over it and over and over again in my head and I'd be writing down in the margins of my school paper, you know, <laughs> tricks I'd be doing. Okay. <laughs> I still have during school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then go home and practice over and over and over and, it's good having the music because it cues you what you what you do next. So, and that was like uh, a cassette. Like how do, I'm just trying to vision that. Yeah. Some big concrete thing at your house or wherever you practice. You had some kind of a cassette um, or a record player. That how would you do? How would you cue the music? Well, it's usually a car stereo with a oh. cassette. In it. Did, did <laughs> in you a, run the battery out? Did you have to turn the car on, or how did that work? I don't remember. Somehow, I guess we'd have to turn the car on every once in a while to get the battery back. <laughs> what kind of car was it? Do you remember? Um, a Fiat Spider convertible. Uh-huh. Okay, so you did yeah. you put the top down, or it had a good enough yeah. sound system to where you could hear it pretty well and yeah. work on that. And then how and how much would you? Where was this located? Where did you practice a routine that you were working on? I. We'd go to parking lots, uh, shopping center parking lots that had floodlights um, if it was nighttime. Wow. Or, or church parking lots were good during the week. Right. And then um, there, um, where I lived, there was a lot of new development. Just um, uh, it, I lived out in the country, but then the, the city came to me pretty much. Okay. So over, over a couple of years, there was new development. So there were nice um smooth new streets without many people living in the neighborhoods so i was able to find things like that that's so crazy i mean i can't that's that's i can only imagine stumbling upon alan berryman working on her freestyle routine you know with the fiat blasting (laughs) almond brothers that's so friggin cool dude that was fun wow (laughs) And you, and because you were kind of a pioneer, I mean, did you have any mentorship at all for, as far as other women that you could look to, to evolve what you were doing or to start where they left off? Or did you have to literally sort of start the whole thing? Of, of this? Well, I mean, my mentors were mostly guys on the team. So, um, I, no, I didn't have any women mentors really i mean women other skaters were companions but we're all about the same age so and um i think there were only at the most two other girls on on my team um so yeah so i wonder who you you know who who you um is it the proper word deceited i mean when you came in and you said after the second one you began to win them all who did oh, Desiree Von Essen was oh, the champion before me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And did you do? So, did you, uh, you I know, mean, steal she, anything she from lived her in Vin- She lived in Ventura, so that oh. was in, in San Diego County. So we didn't really see each other very much. Um, Two different cultures, too, right? Not really. No. 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 Um. I don't know. Some people seem to make up this narrative or maybe there was something going on, but especially like between Dogtown and San Diego, I I never saw any kind of rivalry or anything there. It's just, 
people coming together and skating, but um, maybe other people had a different perspective. But to me, right. they weren't that different. So, right. <laughs> Did you see people? You know, like I worked at Skatopia, so by the time I worked there, which was '78, um, uh, you know, you know, wasn't the wasn't top, the skate, top park. skate park. It was uh, what? I'm sorry, my I think I'm echoing. It it wasn't oh. the top skate park anymore. So I would occasionally see Stacy Peralta or maybe somebody from Dogtown would come to Skatopia. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we had this guy Ray Bones Rodriguez, who he was a local. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But we didn't see a, uh, as much skate figures as was there previous the previous year seventy seven, because by the time I worked at Skatopia, they'd built you know better skate parks, so everybody uh, went to the more gnarly things. Yeah. So in, in contests that you went to, did you see some of this stuff that we've all seen in movies like the Dogtown Lords of Dogtown? You know, did you see? Yeah, Alva yeah. And, oh yeah, they were yeah. Well. Um, the first skate park I ever skated at was Carlsbad um, skate park that John, John O'Malley got going. And that was one of the early ones. And, um, and Tony and Jay and those guys would come down to that. And we'd always see them at contests. So, right. yeah, I feel like we're all part of one big skate culture i didn't feel like it was two different cultures <laughs> right right so that would be not it would not be unusual for you to be on the deck of some skate contest and see all these skateboard you know legends right oh yeah they were there all the time stacy and tony and jay mostly i remember yeah how do you weren't you honored by the um skateboard hall of fame recently when was that yeah a few years ago what year was that? 2016? I saw a picture of you getting that <laughs> award. 2017? <laughs> I've lost track. <laughs> was it, was that, did that, you know, because you have a thing about you where you're like, oh yeah, I was this innovator. Oh yeah, I was this legend. But it was like two years, you know, which is really, I'm, I guess, healthy, you know. It seems like a lot of other skaters still, a lot of, the, a lot of them is still back there, if that makes any sense. Oh, still live in, live in the past, you mean? I, I don't know. I mean, but it was maybe a really important part of their life. Or or, or they had a, you know, you seem yeah. a little, you seem dis, a, little, a little more disconnected from it than some others. Well, yeah, like I said, I always wanted to be a biologist and skateboarding was kind of a sidetrack for me. It's just a couple of years. I, I feel really fortunate to have done it. Um, and I, I feel lucky because I know some people had a really hard time, like in the 80s, when that period of time when skateboarding went into a lull. And some of the yeah. people where kind of the fame and fortune that went along with skateboarding was their life. They kind of thought that that was how it would always be. And when it went away, they had a really, really hard time. So, um so I feel pretty fortunate to have had something else that I was actually striving for. But um, but it did help me in that endeavor because it gave me a level of confidence to go for what I wanted, you know. To do public speaking in school and all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. and in your actual job now, you do things that require you to 
speak in front of a lot of people or small groups or things like that? Um, mostly small groups. Um, once in a while, you know, a, a talk in front of 50 or so people, but it's not a lot of public speaking, but it's a lot of having to speak out in groups, you know, at meetings and be assertive. So. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. I mean, you're so lucky that because most people at the age when you got into skateboarding, they don't know what they want to be for the rest of, the, of their lives. It's kind oh, of yeah. unusual. Uh, many people yeah. talk about later. So at yeah. what age did you decide you, you wanted to be a biologist? Um, I knew since I was about 12 that I wanted to do something with animals. <laughs> and okay. then when, when everything started to get deve- become developed down in Southern California, because I was in kind of an outdoor girl, so I felt like I needed to do something with conservation because everything was being destroyed. So that kind of motivated me. So, and that's the field you were in that you went into was from the beginning was conservation until now you stayed in that that uh, category or that aspect of biology. Um. Yeah, I mean, by the time I got out of grad school, I was fully entrenched in conservation biology, but it was kind of a gradual process from just being wanting to work with animal, be around animals, to <laughs> really wanting to do something about with conservations. And that had to be, uh, I know this is not skateboarding, I'm just curious, because w- I've always loved science. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a scientist. And, cool. Um, you know, that had to be different, like just loving animals and wanting to, and being empathetic about all that, and then going into a field where you're going to protect them. It has to uh-huh. be, it had to be, or I'm just guessing it was much different, wasn't it? The reality of that pursuit as compared to wanting to help animals? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was interested in science, too, and just natural history and learning all the names of all the plants and just the relationship between all the living things. So there's a lot of science that goes into that. And mm. I loved biology from the beginning. So. And, you, and you never lost that, the joy from doing that work? No, I mean, one thing about the skateboarding, um, the whole rise to fame with the skateboarding that was rough later for me was that I felt like, you know, like so quickly, as soon as I came into adulthood or early adulthood, I was like at the top of the world. I was a women's world champion, you know, (laughs) it's like, and so it, it gave me this maybe kind of sense of, um, I don't know, what's the word, infallibility, or I, I just felt like um, I could, I wanted to go on and save the world. So um, I went through a period in like my late 20s when I realized I wasn't going to actually save the world. <laughs> I got really depressed, you know, <laughs> I had to come to terms with that. <laughs> You came down to reality in your late 20s? Yeah, exactly. Wow. (laughs) So you had to compromise. Yeah, I mean, I still, we all do what we can, our little little part of, you know, making the world a better place. Just just this kind of 
megalomania in terms of I'm going to save the world, you know, I had to lose that. <laughs> and that's the way it was for you. Skateboarding was, so if I'm understanding you, skateboarding was a, um, that experience that you had, it, it empowered you. It did. It, it really, really did. Yeah. Um, what would you tell people that we, you, you touched on it in the beginning of our conversation. I photographed um, some of these people that are now making a living at skateboarding. And it was at a time when they could have never made a living at it. You know, they, there was, they were, they were removed from every contest uh, women, that category uh, period, you know, freestyle, let alone anything was, did not exist. And now they're making a living at it. And, and, They've inspired a lot of young women to choose this as a career, you know. So you being there, uh, is there anything that you could tell them that would be useful? These women who are of all ages and, you know, there's parents involved and it's it's become a thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was, I was able to make enough to pay for my college but yeah it's nothing like it is now and um I would just say you know don't lose yourself I mean that was it it is really hard when you're at that age um teen when you're teen and just coming into adulthood to have that kind of experience of fame um it's pretty disorienting um so i i would say stay grounded and don't lose yourself um and go for it but um right fame isn't everything (laughs) when did you when you know what when did you learn that i i grew up um and i my one of my best friends was this television actor you know and he when we were young, you know, he was, he was just a, a nobody, you know, and he wanted to be an actor. He actually made it. Um, and he mm. went through fame and, you know, how did you, how did you do that? How did you do it? Because when you guys describe what it was like to skate back then, it was pretty grand. I mean, you guys were on the road, you guys had coaches and yeah. roadies and I don't know what, I mean, you guys were a big deal. How did oh, yeah. you not, uh, mm-hmm. How did you not lose your head or did you lose it and had to regain it? I think I lost it to some extent. I mean, I mean, I did tell you that I had a crash in my twenties just because it's like, I thought I was riding high on it and I thought I could, you know, do all these extraordinary things. And I realized it is not as easy (laughs) as I thought it was. Um, Yeah. And just, Yeah, and there was a lot of drugs and um, that kind of thing, of course. So I was, it was pretty shaky ground. Um, I think it helped having my team members. You know, they helped help you. They helped kind me. of mentor you a little bit or assist and you. And ground me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And somebody, I think maybe your sister told me that, uh, you know, because my friend, um, he, we used to, drive around in his dad's Al Camino and he had this eight track and he loved this 
band called the Beach Boys, you know, and there's this record, Endless Summer. Uh-huh. And I used to just, oh, God, we have to listen to that again, John. You know, and <laughs> he ended up being, you know, playing with the Beach Boys. He still plays with them today. And and I heard that you... Did he live in Ventura? What's that? Did he live in Ventura area? Somewhere? No, John, I grew up with an actor named John Stamos. He, he grew up in uh, Cypress, oh. Orange County. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, anyway... And and so and so I later on I got to do a little bit of work with the Beach Boys and um, I've met them many times you know through him and I your sister uh-huh. told you used to do some kind of a thing with the Beach Boys or that you were going to go on the road with them but you were too young or something like that. Oh gosh, um, when I went to college in Santa Barbara, there was a guy who looked me up. He said he'd seen me in a show that was done in Santa Barbara. Um, And he wanted to meet me. And it turned out that he was involved with the Beach Boys and um, wanted to know if I wanted to go on tour with them. And I was in college. I was pretty much on track. I wasn't ready to leave my college track. So... Yeah. Good choice. <laughs> is that the thing that was that that was your life? Your fielding offers like that? I mean, did you meet all kinds of, you know, celebrities when you were doing what you were doing? One minute you're at a skate park uh, in San Diego, and the next minute you're what, hanging out with Glenn Campbell, or I mean, what was it like? <laughs> no, it wasn't like that with me. I mean, I was kind of a. Um, not a real sociable person. So I don't think I got into situations like that too much where I was hanging out with big celebrities. Mm-hmm. You, but you never but, got invited uh, to that kind of thing? Um, I don't, I'm trying to remember. I mean, we weren't in LA. We were down in San Diego. So probably if I was up in Hollywood area, there would have been more of that. But I just don't remember much of the the whole celebrity thing going on. Right, right. So you guys weren't running on those same parties and that same circuit, so to speak. I guess not. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. Um, I really appreciate you talking to me about this. Um, I just... I feel like someday they're going to make a movie about someone like you. And I just wondered what it was really like. And that's why <laughs> I like, I'm glad I'm happy to talk to you, you know, because um, I really do wonder what it was like, you know, to be, to, to do what you did. Well, cool. It's been good talking with you and reminiscing. Yeah. Um, I don't think about all that too much anymore. You so. don't, do you? No. <laughs> you know, your sister sent me all these photographs and um, my goodness, they're so, um, they're, they're, they're really, there's a lot of contrast in there because there's a photo of you. These, this is our last questions. Um, there's a photo of you doing a handstand. There's like a guy who looks like he's some kind of a, somebody maybe carries luggage oh. or something like that on the sidewalk, black and white thing. Do you yeah, have any recollection yeah. of that photo? Like who? Yeah, yeah. That was an ad for the Hotel Intercontinental. It was in a, you know, it was in one of those airline magazines, and it had that picture, and then it had a picture of Zsa Zsa Gabor, 
And it said the great and near great stay a hotel intercontinental. (laughs) So you were the near great. Yeah. (laughs) Well, a lot of people joke and say that she was the near great. (laughs) (laughs) That was totally posed with the, the suitcase on the skateboard. And then I'd have to go out the hotel door on my hands. (laughs) And were you, were you rolling when they shot that or were you frozen? Yeah. You were rolling. No, I, I wouldn't be able to do that frozen. Right. I didn't know if no. they like cemented the thing down to the ground or something like that or what, you know. I didn't know how Oh, they did right. That. No, I was skating. Okay. <laughs> there were many days before we got it right. <laughs> There's another shot of you going down what looks like a slalom run. I'm a photographer, so I'm asking about some of this stuff. And you're barefoot, which is... I was always barefoot. Oh, you did slalom barefoot? Yeah. How do you bail barefoot? I had really tough feet oh my God. <laughs> and a lot of broken toes. <laughs> did you like cut the hair off your toes and stuff like that? I mean, did you just scrape up hair on my toes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're pretty beat up, but I couldn't stand wearing shoes. I could not stand. That it. wasn't a thing. Like I'm a badass skater. I'm ba- you literally always rode barefoot when you were. Yeah. That's all kinds yeah. of skating. Look at, look at the photos. I mean, of course in the, parks they made me wear shoes and which is one of the reasons I wasn't a big park person I mean I enjoyed parks but that wasn't my favorite I mean because right. I didn't want to wear shoes. put me in a band and swimming pool but not someplace where I have to okay. wear shoes because you could ride barefoot and then you would and you would and did you do any tranny because I, I haven't seen many photos of you on transition did you do much transition skateboarding not a whole lot some but yeah. Right. That blows my mind. You were doing that barefoot. So you always, <laughs> if you had the preference, you would be barefoot. Oh, totally. Yeah. That is nuts. <laughs> that is, that is un- I mean, I just can't believe you didn't like break something. Did you break anything? Oh yeah. I broke toes. I broke ribs. I broke my head once, my skull, <laughs> my arm a couple of times. <laughs> really? So how yeah. many... Break, how many breaks? I see. Um, in total, would you just guessing how many bone breaks? Um, let's see, wrist, um, like four ribs, so that's five, and then like five toes, um, and then this wrist, like ten or. 11 years ago <laughs> and my skull, I broke my skull once. So how much is that? Eight you, how did you break your wrist? You said, how many years ago you said you broke, you just recently broke your wrist? Like 10 years ago. On a skateboard or otherwise? On a skateboard. I was, I took a little boy, a little boy wanted to go skating. Megan, my daughter was there too. <laughs> uh huh. The local skate park and, uh, and I fell. Broke my arm. <laughs> Were you barefoot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that the and then do you still skate, or was that the last time you skated when you broke your wrist? Well, I skated some after that, but not vert. That was um, I wasn't going to do that again. <laughs> but you were skating I, vert. Yeah. But that was that's not my strong suit, so. 
So that answers my question. I wondered how you hung it up. You really didn't hang it up. I mean, you you still dabble. You still get on that piece of wood with the now ears. and then. Yeah, but um, a few years ago, I got two hip replacements, and the surgeons the surgeon said, "Don't ever fall. You can't because he said it's really bad news when it, you fall with a artificial hip and it comes undone and stuff. So it kind of." Um, I don't really like to skate much anymore because of that. Okay. I asked because I'm 56 and, um, I have friends that are in their sixties who are still skating transition. Oh yeah. So we're yeah. all kind of curious about where the end is, you know, and what that's like. So a lot of us are, fe- we feel like we're just going to go until, you know, beyond a doctor's order, but just till we literally can't. Well, yeah, I mean, you can go as long as you want, but how much pain do you want to be in? I mean, right. <laughs> I mean, some people, I mean, I have a pretty high pain tolerance, but I think some of these guys that are, that are skating in their 60s and you see them, you see them getting injured all the time and it's like all the arthritis and everything. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to be active and you know if i can into my old age instead of hobbling around you know into my 80s instead of just like hobbling right you know? <laughs> yeah and so what does the skateboarder do then you know like if you can't skate what can and i'm honestly asking this because i'm a skateboarder i'm 56 and i know that i won't be able to do it forever like what other things did you have you picked up that are that are fun to do you know physical that uh well i mean there is snowboarding it's softer to fall in yeah and um, I do a lot of um, swimming and biking now. Okay. Um, just so you you board you snowboard as well. Yeah, but um, not as much since the, the yeah I'm still afraid of falling. Yeah, that. that's your hips. If the if it's ice, yeah. every time you stop, yeah. you either land on your knees or your hips on a snowboard. So. Yeah. So I was doing it that quite a bit up until quite a lot until a few years ago. Okay. But, um, yeah, not well, so much. <laughs> do you miss, do you miss it at all? Do you miss skateboarding at all? Knowing now that yeah, you're every time I see like fresh asphalt, like I'm driving along, there's some fresh asphalt and I'm like, Oh, that looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> My friends laugh at me. <laughs> do you, um, do you ever dream about it, about skateboarding? I dream about it a lot. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, I have fun skating dreams. So. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. I really appreciate you talking to me. Um, it's I, good I, talking to you too. You know, you're, you're, what you did is interesting to me and I think to a lot of other people. And, and um, so is there anything that we can, we should finish with or, you think you've had enough. Anything you want to say to other people out there that follow you or or the person that's going to play you in the movie that's going to happen someday. Somebody's going to play you in a movie. <laughs> it's going to happen. I mean, it's, honestly, it's going to happen. Skateboarding, you know, you guys did it at a time when it didn't exist, you know. So this stuff is historical. And it'll probably, I'm not putting you down but i'm putting hollywood down it'll probably be a horrible movie they'll probably get it totally wrong <laughs> this might be your I chance i thought stacy already did that 
Well, aren't there more? Why was this bad? Aren't there? Aren't there other? Um, aren't there other? <laughs> no, it wasn't bad. But, yeah, <laughs> he, he other... got it wrong. He got it wrong, but it wasn't bad. <laughs> Did he get it wrong? Oh yeah. <laughs> you're talking about Lords of Dogtown, or you're talking about the Doc, or both? The documentary. The Doc. How did he get it wrong? Well, I was telling you earlier about how there really wasn't, I, I never saw that kind of, they made it sound like there was this rivalry between San Diego and Dogtown. And then the way they showed the Del Mar contest, which is the contest that Bain put on. Yes. And, um, and uh, they just made um, everybody look lame from San Diego and showing really? the yeah, like Bruce, they should. There was a picture of Bruce Logan falling. <laughs> you're talking about the documentary, you're not talking about Lords of Dogtown. So, no, they the chose, documentary they chose clips that made it look like you guys were what, like, were lame. And then Dogtown guys came in and tore it up, and like they were so super cool and beyond anything anybody had ever seen, you know. And that was not like the perception if you were, if I were standing there at that spot, it was not that. It was not my experience at all. I was shocked. <laughs> that's really yeah. cool to hear. I mean, that's really cool to hear. I mean, that's one of the reasons I've started doing these. I've, I've done a lot of these skateboard talks and um, it's because I felt like there's more than one story. Yeah. Yeah. And there's got to be a temptation when you're when you're in the position to make a story that everybody has to hear that that's the way that it was. So it's, I'm very uh, yeah. happy to hear this. Have you read John O'Malley's book? No. Should I? Yeah, you should. It's really well written. Urethane Revolution. And it tells it from the San Diego perspective. Okay. Um, so San Diego County, like North County. Yeah, it's it's a fun read. I. I couldn't put it down once I picked it out, and but that's because I knew everybody in the book. But it, it's well written too. That was his his recollection was similar to what you remember was pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah. Who did you look up to? You know, who, if anybody, who awed you when back in the day? You know, if you were at a thing, and Stacy Peralta thought everybody they were the cool people, and who was the cool people that you saw just personally? They were awesome. They're all cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were. Yeah. So why do you think he did that? Was it to have, so the thing would have some kind of gravity or some kind of story? I or? think so. I think, I think so. Or the, but it might've been his perception. That might've been how he saw it. Right. Maybe the, those guys on their way home from the Del Mar contest, they're all talking to each other about how they blew everybody away. And so that was the narrative. Right. <laughs> for the rest of their lives. So, I don't right. know. Wow, how cool. I mean, that's, all, that's you know, you're like, oh, I don't really care so much about it. It's two years of my life. Oh, Stacy got it totally wrong. Yeah, Stacy. Totally, totally <laughs> <laughs> well, it's mostly like my friend, like Bruce, and it's like, I just didn't feel like they gave those guys enough credit. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And it wasn't, that was obviously not a documentary that was like, there's certainly a perspective there. Whoever made that, they had a certain perspective and and a, a certain bias. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
Definitely. Wow, that's cool. What a way to end this conversation. I love yeah. this. If there's anything else that anybody got wrong, please contact me. So we can okay, do I will. Well, read, read John O'Malley's book. I'm going to do that. I'm going to pick it up today. Excellent. Okay. Thank you, Alan. Thanks. It was great talking with you. You too. Have a good one. You too.